Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace, Thou art welcome in this place. Amen. There are faithful believers across the world that do this every Sunday. They bring a candle or maybe a few candles in a procession to signify that the Holy Spirit is in that place. Not necessarily just because that candle is there, but because the people that have come from the world doing their things in the world, they are coming now into a place of worship and bringing the Spirit with them. It's just a religious tradition, but it shows that the Holy Spirit is able to minister in and through us. Even John, in the book of Revelation, refers to the seven spirits of God. The verse Katie read for us in our, um, in our call to worship talked about the seven things of the Spirit. Of the Lord, one. Of wisdom, two. Of understanding, of counsel, four. Five, and might. Or you could say victory. And of knowledge. And the fear and reverence of the Lord. And the Lord, Yahweh, his personal name, the Lord. So, let your light shine. Let it grow. Let it illuminate the things around us. So we're going to be reading through 1 Corinthians 2 today. So if you can bust out your scriptures, whether that be electronically, I've got mine electronically today. Um, or if you have the sweet sound of the scriptures, the little pages, um, tissue paper pages flipping to 1 Corinthians 2, and we're going to read together and explore this idea that God's gift to us is the Holy Spirit and his ministry of illumination to us. First of all, this is a God's power versus people power Um, So that's our first point in today. Let's read 1 Corinthians 2. And so it was me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with the elegance of or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony or the mystery about God. I'm not here to debate the mysteries of what God's mysteries actually are. That's a totally different sermon. 
But I do think the greatest value of the mysteries of God isn't in proving something. Proving something is there, but actually meaning something. The meaning is the important part. The meaning is some, means something to you and to me. And it's something that only we can experience. All right, keep reading with me in verse 2. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. Believe it or not, I'm kind of right there right now. It's kind of how, it's not a bad position to be in. Um, It shows the weightiness of the message you're about to bring and that you are asked to deliver. There should be some sort of tension in there. um, That it's not really your words that are speaking, it is that of God. And that's a big, big responsibility. So verse 4. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Well, for all technical purposes, it probably stunk. But with a demonstration, or we could insert a showing off of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Okay, pause here. Before we go any further, I want to point out some vocabulary words that will pop up in the rest of this passage several times. The first one is pneuma. What does that mean? Spirit. Thank you, Bible college students. This should be in your vocabulary that you know readily available to you. This is a movement of air, a life breath. Uh, The translation I was looking at earlier said a currenting too. So think of it as an electric current running through your body. That's how it should be, a tingling sensation maybe, not necessarily, but an electric current that flows through the body. The Hebrew equivalent to this is the word ruah. Can you just hear the breath coming through in that, in that word ruah? The second vocabulary word I want to point out to you is Sophia. Where's Sophie? There she is. What does it mean, Sophie? Wisdom. Wisdom. Good job. Wisdom. This is broad, full of intelligence, used of the knowledge of diverse matters. It can be used to apply to both human wisdom and God's wisdom. Human wisdom being science, learning, managing people, all that thing that comes with understanding. But it also describes the intelligence that belongs to God in Christ through the Holy Spirit. That in return, it counsels us as Christ followers. So here's your first principle. I know nothing, but the Spirit of God is God and thus has the power of God. So here's your application. Are you living in a perspective that you are nothing and God is everything? It's okay to have a healthy sense of self-worth but temper that with the identity of Christ. And what did he do for us? He died. <laughs> uh, we have to recognize that we are sinful. And the weight of that reality only shows in the lightness of the grace that was bestowed on us. Are you living with an underlying spirit of gratitude that you were once dead in your sins? But it was with the power of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit, that actually raised you to life. That is power. Human achievement is mediocre at best compared to the demonstration of God's power. If you have not 
taken time to surrender your life to him, the invitation is open. I'm not going to assume that you, as Bible college students, have taken that step. Maybe you are here for such a time as this, that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to let him indwell you. So if God's power is preferential, how do I get this wisdom? This brings us to our point number two. The Holy Spirit reveals God's wisdom. Let's keep reading in 1 Corinthians 2 and come, come down with me to verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom. What's that word? Sophia. Among the mature, but not the Sophia of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden or we could use the word concealed. You can't see me, but. Um, and that God destined for our glory before time began. Before time began. Oh, Paul, that seems so cliche. But I don't want you to gloss over the significance of that because it's cliche in our culture right now. Paul was probably one of the first to use it. But it was destined for us. He knew it. He had a plan, and it's ours. None of the rulers of this age understood it, verse 8, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I'm going to actually take you to where this verse is in Isaiah, Isaiah 64, 4, where it says, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, God, Yahweh, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Continuing on verse 10. These are the things God has revealed or unshrouded. So they were concealed. Now they're unconcealed to us by his spirit. This leads to principle number two. God's wisdom is different than the wisdom of the age, of this age. God's wisdom is different than the wisdom of this age. Have you been reading the Bible? Suddenly, you were gripped by a fresh new understanding of a God. It just kind of hit you. Have you been studying for class? Maybe not. That's okay. Um, but perhaps that has happened to you. That was God speaking. A person cannot understand spiritual truth unless the Spirit of God reveals it. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. When you understand the spiritual meaning and application for a scripture passage, God's Holy Spirit has been at work. Remember, this understanding does not lead you to an encounter with God. It is the encounter with God. It is it. You don't have to wait for some mystical thing to happen. When God speaks to you through the Bible... He is relating to you in a personal and real way. When the Holy Spirit reveals truth from the word of God, he is personally relating to you. And do we have the slide for that sequence? That's okay. All right. The sequence is this. First of all, one, you read God's word. You read God's word. And then two, the spirit of truth takes the word of God and reveals truth to you. Third, you adjust your life to God through the truth of God. 
Fourth, you obey him. Love that word. Obey him. I was facetious, by the way. Sometimes it takes a, like a, a little pain before you end up obeying him. Um, and five, God works in you and through you to accomplish his purposes. You read God's word. Spirit of God reveals himself to you. You adjust your life. You obey. And God works through you to accomplish his purposes. And then you come to know the God, come to know the God in a more personal and real way. The Spirit uses the word of God, the sword of the Spirit, um, to reveal God and his purposes and to instruct us in the ways of God. On our own, we cannot understand the truths of God. So this brings us to point three. We can understand the gospel because of the mind of Christ. Keep reading with me on the second half of verse 10. The spirit, Numa, searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows the person's thought except the own, their own spirit within them? I don't want you to know all of my thoughts. So um, I don't really want to know all God's thoughts either. Uh, that might be very dangerous. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught to us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but consider them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. And let me pause here. Judgments as in not in being judgy-judgy about people, um, but judgments as in seeking out what the truth is, evaluating different perspectives so you can come to a right understanding of things. That's what this means. Not judgy, judgy, but, but let's figure out, let's evaluate, let's do some detective work on, what, on what's really going on here. Okay, not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And this brings us to our third principle and our last one of today. The Spirit of God gives us the mind of Christ. Pretty straightforward. The Spirit of God gives us the mind of Christ. Here's what one commentator shared about what it means to have the mind of Christ, and I quite liked it, so I'm going to share it with you. As Paul quotes the rhetorical question of Isaiah 40:13, for who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? The reader, us, is expected to answer negatively. No! No one can understand the mind of God. We know the answer. That's how Isaiah used it. But rather with the spirit, the spiritual man has been given spiritual ability to understand the mind of God revealed in scripture. Put succinctly, the spirit gives grace to God's people to understand the grace of God. Such a reading protects us from the many speculatives and misguided approaches to having the mind of Christ. To have the mind of Christ does not mean we know everything Christ knows. It does not mean Christians are always right about the affairs of the world. 
It does not mean Christians have some mythical knowledge or access to God. You cannot say to another Christian or another person, well, you have the Bible, but I have the mind of Christ. I'm so holy. It just doesn't work that way. Rather, the mind of Christ is the spirit-given ability to understand the free grace of the gospel. The mind of Christ judges or evaluates the cross of Christ as my greatest good and God's best wisdom. The mind of Christ judges itself or evaluates itself as a sinner desperately in need of forgiveness. The mind of Christ judges the world as sultry and puny compared to the surpassing knowledge of God. In short, the mind of Christ is the spiritual perception to understand and love the God of the gospel. And it comes not by human invention, human research, or human intuition. The mind of Christ comes by the Holy Spirit. So friends, you need to wrestle with this thought just as I have this very week. Are you progressing in ministry because of your own strength? Are you totally and utterly reliant on the Holy Spirit for illumination in your next step? Maybe you say, Mrs. Wilson, I don't know how. Well, let me tell you how. Start practicing. Start practicing what it means to let the Holy Spirit illuminate your next step. You don't know how to rely on God or hear the voices of the Spirit because of too many other competing voices. And by the way, God speaks differently to his children, so don't expect a booming voice from heaven or a still small voice on the breeze. It can come that way, but sometimes it's through the trusted word of a friend. A verse that you've come across in your studies at church, in a sermon, or maybe just looking at a piece of art. So let's practice right here and right now. I want to ask you to assume a prayer posture, a posture of worship, and I want you to close your eyes with me and join with me as I give you some prompts to think in prayer. prayer. There will be no music. There'll be nothing but your thoughts. And as you do this next to your colleagues, you may assume the posture of proskuneo, uh, bowing down towards the earth, your heart touching the earth. Maybe open up your hands on your lap. Maybe put your hands over your heart so that the words of the scripture will penetrate through straight to them. Maybe raise your hands above your head as if in a way to say, I surrender my all to you. This is mindfulness and this is obedience. Relax every part of your body from your feet that bring good news to your hands that serve others, to your face that shines the light of God. Just relax everything, bring the tension out of your body. Lord, we come to you 
speaking your words back to you so that we can agree with you in spirit. Lord, some of these words maybe we need to ponder. Maybe we need to internalize. We're not going to grasp all of it today, but Lord, reveal something to us that you are speaking to us about so that we can internalize these things. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, a revealing, unsecluding of aletheia, truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Lord, we speak this to you now. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship, of adoption, of being the child of God. And by him we cry, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And in the same way, the spirit intercedes for us as we groan with words that we can't express ourselves. For through Jesus, we all have access to the Father by one Spirit. So therefore, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for the common good. So dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keeping your eyes bowed, closed in reverence. There's going to be some activity on the stage as the band comes back up because we are going to respond to him. Remain in a prayer posture if you so desire. But know that God is here and present with you. He will guide you, protect you, love you like no one else can. Our expectations of others are 
fall short compared to the love of God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church, where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.